breathe. No, really, breathe. Take a deep breath with me. Let it all go. Oftentimes, we use a deep breath as a punctuation mark in our lives. Or if you're a little younger, a breath is kind of like a real life emoji. <laughs> it can mean one of two things. It can act as a beginning or an ending. As a beginning, it's that deep breath that you take before starting a task, or maybe a journey, or maybe something you've been putting off for a while. Uh, and it's a feeling of, okay, here we go. And on the other side, as an ending, it's a sigh of relief, a feeling of assurance that it's going to be okay. Or maybe it's both. There may be a few people in this room this morning that are feeling both right now. It's our Confirmation Sunday, and we have all together 12 students in seventh grade who have journeyed together with this church, many mentors, teachers, uh, family this past year in understanding what it means to be a Christian, who God is, who God is to them, and what that means to do that in this church. I'm Diane Kofal, I'm their Youth Ministries Director, and I enjoyed walking through that with them this year. And so if you're here for that this morning, thank you so much for coming and supporting these students on this day and supporting our church on this blessed day. For all of us in the room though, whether you came for confirmation or not, our scripture passage this morning that Sarah read reminds us that it's the second week of Easter and that one week ago we celebrated that Jesus is risen. Our passage today comes out of the Gospel of John and I really like this passage because John takes time to give us assurance of Jesus's resurrection with some details that Matthew and Mark don't address. Luke gives us a similar picture, but John's the only one who specifically mentions Thomas, who's kind of late to the party and needs further assurance, despite the fact that his fellow disciples had just witnessed proof, but we'll get to that later. So going back to the beginning of our passage, the first thing we see is that the disciples are all together. It probably sounds normal to us that the disciples would be together. After all, for the majority of Jesus' ministry, they've been together, fishing, feeding people, listening to Jesus teach and heal people, walking on water, the usual things that friends do. <laughs> but today, at this time, the circumstances have changed for the disciples drastically. And if you recall, they had all been scattered because of fear of being caught and identified as Jesus' followers. So now they've come back together, even though it would have been risky to be caught together by the Jewish leaders, probably fearing the same ending as their teacher. This meeting is anything but ordinary. So why risk it? Why meet up again? One scholar said that they came together to pray, to compare notes, to consider if they had sufficient evidence, and perhaps to simply know one another's minds. They were pretty much there to take a deep breath. That punctuation mark at the beginning or ending, a sigh of relief or sorrow. Either their Jesus had died on the cross and all their hopes and dreams of a savior were crushed, or he rose and he was really their Messiah. 
They were probably looking around the table at each other, wondering what each other was thinking, hoping for the best, but desperately wanting assurance that their years with Jesus had meant something, wanting assurance that they could continue on with the work that Jesus had given them. Now, the interesting part is in the verses right before the passage read today, so maybe you'll go home and read those on your own. But Jesus had already provided this assurance this morning. To make sure the disciples knew he had risen, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, whose pretty credible source since she had been with them ever since the beginning when he healed her. Now, when he appeared to Mary Magdalene, he told her specifically to go to the disciples, having seen him alive, and to tell them that he was there and he was going to ascend to the Father. That could have been enough. Jesus had been preparing his disciples for this moment, his entire ministry. But here the disciples sit together behind locked doors, scared. So I kind of feel like it's clear that this story being told of them, of Jesus risen, was not enough for them to believe. And Jesus knew that too. Because what happens next is pretty awesome. Jesus actually appears to the disciples in person. And he offers peace. This is exactly the way that Jesus spoke before his death. His greeting, peace be with you, reminded me in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I bring you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. And while the disciples knew these words, we all know that there's nothing that grants peace as much as absolute assurance, rock-solid confirmation of what we hope for. So maybe this is the moment that, that Jesus' disciples can be assured. They know that Jesus is really with them. He looks like Jesus. He talks like Jesus. But maybe they need a little bit more. So that's what we get even further confirmation of his real presence by showing them his wounds and scars from the cross on his hands and side. Have you ever had any scars that you've been proud of? I played volleyball in high school and maybe some of you out there have played sports or play sports. And do you ever have that bruise on your knee from practicing so hard? Or maybe a scrape on your side from that uh, going into home? Well, you're probably less likely to show off your scars if they came from a defeat, a game that you lost, or a hard time. Conquerors show their wounds, and that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus, who conquered sin and death, is coming back to life to show his winning wounds to his disciples. And this is when they believe. This is when the disciples have the assurance that their Lord has won and all they had hoped for is true. He had messengers tell them he had been resurrected and showed up in them, to them in the flesh. He spoke to them as their teacher had and finally he even showed them his hands and feet and sighed. This is the moment when they took that deep breath of assurance. It was probably parts beginning and ending that relief, but knowing, all right, it's time to go. So now the disciples know that Jesus had conquered sin. 
the work that Jesus came to do was done. And the communion with God had been restored. Jesus knew that we were good to go. He didn't actually have to do anything else. We could have waited to see him in heaven. After all, it wouldn't have mattered if he had seen us here. But instead, Jesus cares so much about our desires and our needs that he did come back in the flesh to provide assurance to his disciples. And he gave them all the assurance that they could desire. So now Christianity has been around for a long time. And inside these walls, sometimes we talk about this stuff as if it were really easy to believe. And sometimes we just assume that the way it is, or, and, and sometimes we assume that uh, the parts that we gloss over, those difficult ones, just shouldn't be talked about. But if we're honest, don't we want some of this rock-solid confirmation of our beliefs that the disciples got? If we don't have the hands and the side to see, how does this help us with our assurance of faith, of God, of a savior today? Well, I believe that God's hope for his people is to live a faith of assurance and confirmation. I believe that he still gives assurance of the resurrection in our lives today. But what does that look like if he's not physically here? I'll tell you a few examples from my life. It looks like when I meet with a prayer class on Sunday afternoons, and because of the community there, I leave with a better understanding of our God and my God. Or it's when I round the base with that little hand in my hand who's so excited to make it to home and score another point for his team at Odom. Or it's when week after week, teachers will come to lead students through the teacher's own passion for God. And the students are actually willing to learn about grace. Or it's when a student comes and asks me if they can read scripture to the church on a Sunday morning. And I begin to see that spark of the next generation having that assurance of faith. Or it's when you have over 30 people who are willing to give up a week of their summer to help others. These are just some of my moments. Do you have these moments too? Where God gives you assurance of faith that you could desire. And that's when you go out and tell the world. Now, there may be a few of you out there who are like Thomas, or like me, have many moments of Thomas. Do you remember Thomas from our scripture today? I'll remind you, he comes in a little bit later. It's after all this has happened, and he's actually missed seeing the wounds. And Thomas is having a hard time finding assurance in his faith. In this moment, he actually sees that the other disciples have assurance of the resurrection. And he wants it too. So what does he do when Jesus comes back a week later? Jesus gives him exactly what he asked for. Jesus is so happy to show him. And it's worth it for Jesus to come back again, even for one person to assure them of their faith. We often refer to Thomas as doubting Thomas, but I'd rather think of him as searching Thomas, 
human Thomas. In our lives, we don't have to be perfect or even have it all figured out. Instead, just ask, and Jesus is happy to provide assurance. Our confirmands just went through a year of disciple-like faith. Like the disciples, they came together, they prayed together, and they asked for assurance of their faith so that they could claim it themselves as members of this church and so that it can be a reality in their lives. Their assurance will continue to be found in their friends, family, mentors, and the whole Westlake United Methodist congregation as Jesus shows them others' lives being transformed. And now they've asked, they've found, and they are professing it today. For the rest of us, today, let them be an example of this blessed assurance in your life. I know that they are in mine. I will end in the same way that our scripture does. Verse 31, the good news that I have for you is that this is written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. So if our 